If you've listened to my show before, you probably, at least I hope, have picked up on the fact that I try to do a really great job with the audio quality of every episode. And I have done my absolute best, but your host can be kind of dumb sometimes. My guest on this episode is Joe Davis, and he's a marginally successful TikTok artist, TikToker, TikTok anonymous. Anyway, Joe wanted to do a live stream on his TikTok of this interview. And I thought, that's great. We'll bring up the chat. We can look at the chat on my monitor. I'll just turn my speakers off and we'll be good. We won't pick up the audio interference. What I did not take into account was my soundboard picking up the audio because I didn't mute the actual video. So when I started editing this episode, there was this terrible echoing, just picking up on both the microphones and the stream that we had up on the monitor. And I thought the whole thing is ruined. It's over. No one's ever going to hear this conversation. But Joe swept in and he was able to send me the audio from the live stream that he recorded on his phone. Problem is he recorded it on his phone and uh, the quality from that recording is not what you would hopefully have come to expect from listening to my show. I've done the best I can. I apologize for the audio issues. It's a great episode, an awesome interview. We're going to talk about time and timelines and parallel dimensions. And then we're going to talk about a local ghost. And we're even going to talk about Freemasonry at the end. So stay tuned for that, especially if you're a fan of my show, because I'm going to ask a couple of questions that you'll probably have picked up on. Here's the Paranormal Patio. You're listening to the Paranormal Patio Podcast. Pull up a chair. As always, I'm Jason, but you knew that. You knew that before you clicked the link, you know, before you brought up this episode. I'm here tonight in a special episode with my good friend, Joe Davis. Joe, welcome to the Paranormal Patio. I am glad to be back. Yes. Uh, if I'm being quite honest, the new habitat that you have here is much nicer than it is. Well, not that there was anything wrong with it. There's nothing back wrong with your garage is fine. Nothing wrong with the Paranormal Garage, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Nothing at all. <laughs> no, but uh, we had you here for the very first live stream I ever did. Yeah. Actually, just to promote like a new chapter of Paranormal Patio yeah. after I moved. And it was the announcement of the documentary, I think, was on there. Mm-hmm. I brought you in. You played some music that's in the documentary. Yeah. So I want to bring you back then. And then we just haven't had a chance. I've been swamped with guests. And this season I had an opening. I thought, let's bring you in. Let's talk about some of the things that we talked about. Because since that live stream, you got a hold of me one night and said, oh, hey, yeah. I got some weird stuff going on at this building I own, this property I own, and you sent me a video. And it got me because that next morning I was leaving to go to Kentucky to shoot stuff for the documentary. Oh, yeah. And I was going to be in some weird isolated places and was like, oh, this is too weird. It's just the weirdest creature video I think I have. Yeah. And we set up later, like maybe a month later or something yeah. like that, tried to figure out like location, what it was, where where it was, what it could have been. 
And we were left with no answers, really. None. None. So we'll get into that, though, because I want to go back. When you were on the live stream, I had sparked some thought in your head, some memory of a dream that you had had. Yes. And I'd like for you to go over that again, because it was a really weird dream, sort of a premonition dream. Uh, I don't remember the circumstances of how it had popped up. Obviously, when you're in the paranormal patio, like, you talk about the uh, odd and the weird and the mischievous and, and sort of try to figure out what's going on. Yeah. But we talked about, I, I, I generalizing, we talked about the fact that of, like, weird premonitions, things that had happened that was weird. And I began to tell a story uh, about a dream that I had. Uh, and it actually, it may have been the point, like, that actually triggered anxiety for me personally. Yeah, that's right. I had a dream that I was in a large, for for memory's sake, we're going to call it, like, a large 19, 1980s, like, Ford LTD or something. Big land yacht of a car, cushy, plushy seats. <laughs> but I can clearly remember in the dream... Being with my mom in the car, my stepdad, my two other siblings, or my three other siblings in the backseat, and we were going to go cook out or camp out, like, down by Palestine. I'm trying to think of the Leverton Park, I think is the name of it. And I knew this in the dream. And we were sort of like, when you put four kids, like, granted, it's a large car, but you put four small kids in the back, you feel cramped. But I can remember, like, vividly in the dream, like... Like, there was tents, and there was a cooler, and there was other stuff, and it was piled around me. And, like, just feeling really uncomfortable about the whole situation. And the dream, waking up from, like, like a panic of, like, claustrophobic fear or, uh, you know, just the, the enclosing, like, something was entrapping me. And it was such an odd sensation. And, I, and I'm talking, like, second, third grade yeah. at this point, uh, where you have no grasp of why things affect you or adjust you, but it's it's one of those moments where my consciousness was clearly like, that was weird, I don't know what happened, I was scared. I remember that night, like going and sleeping in my dad's bed that night, and being like, I, I was scared. I, I realized that now it was an anxiety attack that I'd had. Specifically the time frame, I can't tell you, but I'm, I'm going to call it six months later. There was a period where I didn't, unaware, we got my mom got a new car. It was a big old maroon Ford LTD with the maroon plush interior. I can still remember it. had the ashtrays and the door. Oh, doors. yeah, dude. Uh, big, like, velour-type seating, and we were in it. I didn't know what we were doing, but my stepdad had loaded a bunch of stuff in the big old trunk, which already has spare tires, some other stuff in there, clutter that, you know, parents carry around because there's a bunch of kids. Like, I start to realize, like... Some of this feels familiar, but I'm not putting it all together. Where it really starts to hit, though, is at the time there was a, in in a small town of Palestine, Illinois, there was, at the time, a a small grocery store that was family-owned called Brock's. Uh, It was a little, you know, they had their meat counter and one little half aisle of bread and all the canned goods that you could possibly want to buy. Right, yeah. And we pulled in there, and instantly... I remembered the dream and the exact situation that I was then in and I had another panic attack. And the fear was like, if you've ever had deja vu come on, the feeling like, oh, this has happened before. 
And my tendency when that happens is, is I got to do opposite of whatever the deja vu is telling me would happen. That's why something bad is going to happen. That was the very first experience of deja vu. But I knew why I was getting it. I remembered the dream. and remembered happening to like wake up and terrified and, and like my heart racing and, and my body's just produced a ton of adrenaline but doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah. At, at, at you know, eight, nine years old, you don't know what to do with it. And I freaked out so much that, like, I climbed over the coolers, the tent, my other siblings to, like, jump out of the car because I, I was convinced in that moment if I stayed in it, something bad was going to happen. And, like, that at that point was the real panic attack because I freaked out, jumped, had to get away. That sort of started a trend of, you know, anxiety and other things that happened. And uh, it, it was weird. That is really weird. And, and it's one of those few instances that I can think of that was sort of out of body. Even when I was in the car, in the back seat, getting out of the car, moving out, like, I couldn't explain to my siblings why it was so important. i got to get out, got to get out, got to get out. Like, why it was important to me. Not only the way I remember it, but in the moment when I was there, it was like I was watching all of it happen above me. And like it was almost like I was an NPC in my own life, and freaking out like I couldn't be in the car. It wasn't safe. Yeah, yeah, spooky stuff. And, and, and I wish that there was more of like a like explanation. Like, what did we actually do? Did we actually come in harm that day? We didn't. Was it because I got out of the car? Who knows? Yeah, right. Um, but I definitely am convinced that I had adjusted whatever path I was on, which is where. I'm going to lead into this because there's another story that I've told you. There is. Where Jason and I have talked about this. Uh, this is totally new from the people that are, are watching us on the live stream on TikTok. But uh, I believe in, in parallel universes. I fully believe in it. I believe not, not necessarily like every instance. Like when I came in here, I, I had come back from the New Mexican restaurant in Robinson. and was about to cash out. And I seen there was cokes there. And I, I'm... I, I have, a, like, restless legs and PLMD. I'm going to have to take some meds while I'm at. I better have something to drink just in case. Not that Jason would provide, but just just in case I, I needed something. I absolutely would. And uh, But what if I didn't buy the Coke that was in the cooler from Mexico on the way there? But, like, not, not necessarily that. There's big things, and they adjust, like, who you are as a person. Even so much so, I, I have a belief that, like, if there is an alpha or a prime Joe, I don't think I'm it. <laughs> What's that do to your thinking process in everyday life? Then? It doesn't. It doesn't affect me, other than the fact that I'm aware that I don't think that's me. So there was an unusual circumstance, and we'll lead into this. It's not a very good transition, but it's in the same vein of what we were just discussing. Around, I want to say, 2012, 2013, somewhere there, a friend of ours, named Mitchell, who... Um, I got sometimes playing a band with Jared and the Cat. Amazing musician. Phenomenal. David Mitchell and the Coattail Riders. <laughs> David started playing with Jason and I when he was in eighth grade. Yeah. And at eighth grade, and Jason and I in our mid-twenties, he was probably already a better musician. Hands and up. he's only gotten better since then. Hands up. Currently, he's a full-time musician, plays with country artist Adam Calvert, and he's self-published son. He's... He's doing it. He's, He's living the dream. Yeah. But Damon had just graduated high school, 
who was about to graduate high school, and he was turning 18, and I wanted to do something special for him. So we both have a, a novelty interest in this indie rock band that no one knows of called uh, Stephen Malcolmus and the Jicks. And Stephen Malcolmus used to be in a really popular indie band called Pavement. And they were playing at the old rock house in St. Louis. And uh, worked it out with Damon's parents, because obviously he was young. So <laughs> it's so weird. A few months away from the, But I'm going to take your son, who's 18. We're going to go to a bar, and we're going to watch this band. And we're going to stay the night in the hotel, and we'll come back the next day. Well, the day of the show, 10 inches of snowdrop. It was February. And we could call him up to get him to verify it. But it was Valentine's Day, because I remember at the time having a conversation with my now ex-wife about, are you okay with me doing, like... Yeah, it's Valentine's Day. Wow. I just not put that together. But anyways, 10 inches of snow dropped, and they was like, oh, we still going? I want to go. I'm like, yeah, dude, we got a Ford F-150, four-wheel drive. Like, well, we got plenty of time, nothing to do. Cool stories about our interaction. We actually met the band, hung out, hung out with the band afterwards. But that's not the part that your audience is interested in. Right, right. What is the weird circumstances on the way back? And I... Had told this story to Jason while we were outside the warehouse about the, you know, the weird circumstances. We were were discussing something uh, and it, it clicked. There's something I haven't told you, and I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm not going to say anything. We're going to call Damon, so you know I'm not making any of this up. That's and exactly I'm going to have him yeah. tell you the story, and you'll see whether or not they line up. And they did exactly. But not only that, but he had one piece that I had forgot. That was important. So we were driving back from St. Louis to hometown in Illinois. Realistically, that's a three-hour drive. Sure. Damon, at that time, was considering going to Greenville for college. There was a Christian school there. Damon and his family are Christians. Nothing wrong with that. Let him do him. And uh, Yeah, right. Uh, but off the novelty of it, we were just outside, outside St. Louis. And not that I needed gas. This is the weird part about it. I had three quarters of the tank. More than enough to get back. I was like, you know what? I'm going to top the truck off before we get it. You want to get something to eat or something while we're here? Yeah, not a problem. So this is where things go weird. They pull into a combination. I want to say it was a McDonald's and like a pilot gas station that were combined. You see them every now and then on the interstate. This one was just off 70, but wasn't right on 70. I start to fill up my truck. We go inside and... I'm attempting to pay for my fuel. And the girl's like, oh, man, my computer just crashed. My computer just crashed. I'm sorry. It'll take just a second. got to reboot it up. Not a problem. We're not in a hurry to get home. You know, uh, we're killing time. You know, we're going to get some food. Not a big deal. I pay for the fuel. And I begin to walk back out to my truck. Damon is already back in the vehicle. He didn't need to pay for gas. He got a drink. I sent him out while we waited for the thing to reboot. And as I'm walking towards my truck, I see the largest dent on the side of the bed. And I knew that wasn't there before. And my instant thought was, we stayed at a hotel, the Hyatt, right next to the Arch, downtown St. Louis. They valet parked it. Sure. Um, There was some confusion with a hotel. They thought we were a band coming into play. So they treated (laughs) us like, they're like, oh, you you." What are you driving? Are you, are you in a big truck? It's like, yeah, it's a you know big truck, and oh, we're going to conquer driving or whatever. And I'm like, oh man, a valet driver. Like I didn't notice it when we left because they literally brought it, the vehicle around and gave me the keys. And as I walk closer to the vehicle, because I'm freaking out, I'm going to look at it. 
it disappears. And I'm not talking like, oh, it's the size of a pop can. I'm talking like this is a yardstick wide scrape dent in the side of my bed that is how I did not notice it before. was clearly there. I get up to the truck, nothing. And I'm like inspecting it, freaking out. I'm like, what, what is going on here? I don't understand this. Like, it, it, I totally see that. I even walked back to the front door and looked like maybe I caught the angle wrong, like to sort of justify this is what you've seen, that it wasn't there, couldn't find anything, still no get this time. And Damon's like, what are you doing? I was like, dude, I could have sworn there was a huge dent here on the side of my truck. He comes around, looks at it, nothing there, and I was like, oh, I mean, I guess it's fine, not a big deal. I sort of get nervous pulling out of the gas station because they got those two big yellow posts now I'm convinced huh? I'm going to run into the post and I'm going to put a dent in it but we don't and we go through their drive through for the McDonald's and we pull around to the McDonald's and we place our order get up to pay and as we're about to pay the girl goes oh no and I was like what and she goes our computer's just crashed I was like just now and she's like literally just now I was like, that's that's kind of weird. I was like, the gas station just had the same problem. It hasn't been going down. And she's like, no, it's, it just happened. Like, I hadn't done this before. And she's like, what was your order? And I told her, and she's like, we're well, going to have to give me a second. It'll reboot. We get our food. We get back on the road. So Greenville isn't that far outside of St. Louis. No. And realistically, we had a three-hour track minus a few minutes from Greenville. But we, we got home in less than two hours. Makes no sense. And what, what got weird is when we were about to Effingham, it wasn't like we made any special trips. I was not speeding. I'm a very cautious driver, never had a ticket. Uh, and we had had a bunch of snow the day before. The roads had actually cleared up by this time. Like, we were about to get to Effingham, and I realized it's only been an hour. We'd already done the math, because Damon actually had church. It was a Saturday night show. He had to be back at a certain time. He was playing in the church man that evening. We had already done the math. Three hours, this is when we'll be home. Plenty of time. We'll get your gear up there. Not a problem. Play with your dad. Be fine. I'm like, we're, Damon, we're, we're in Effingham already. He's like, yeah. And I was like, dude, it's a three-hour drive. We only have an hour drive left. Like, we've only been driving a little over an hour. And plus, we stopped at the gas station. And he's like, man, that's... That's kind of weird. And he's like, you sure we're at Effingham? I was like, about that point, we're taking the turn off. We're getting on 33. It's like, dude, this is Effingham. There's a sign. There's a big white cross. Yeah. Like, what happened there? And we never really had a conclusion to why it happened. But Damon and I are both convinced. And this sort of goes to the, the parallel paths that you're on. And, and where things divide and choices that are made. Dame and I, I are both convinced that well, whatever path we were on, something redirected us. There were, there were too many weird circumstances beyond just the fact that computers went down in the gas station. The weird thing of seeing a dent. Um, oh, and I forgot to mention there was a huge wreck. We passed. Uh, you'll have to verify this with Damon because we didn't bring it up. On the way there, there was a wreck on the side of the road not far from Greenville. Hmm. Didn't make anything of it. But the fact that I seen this dent in the side of my truck and being able to put all the pieces together, the computer crashing at the gas station, me seeing a dent on the side of my truck that vanished, me going to the McDonald's 
there are computers crashing just as we're going there. Us getting home in less time than what it should have. Yeah, considerably less time. Yeah, and we've both done the math. We knew exactly. Leave at noon, we're getting there at 3. We got home at 2. Yeah. How fast do you have to go to shave an hour off of a three-hour trip? Yeah. Dude, I, I can tell you this. If the speed limit is 55, I do 62, and I don't go above it. If the speed limit is 70, I may be doing 75. I don't have any tickets, no accidents, but ironically, there's like weird things that have happened since then. Naaman has sort of hit his life goal. I have become involved in a ton of different groups. I've changed jobs, uh, got divorced, remarried, very happily remarried, and both of us now, when we discuss it, and it's weird for us to discuss it because we both have done, like we were convinced, like there was a part of us that was on the path and we didn't take it. And I'm convinced someone else did. What happened? In my personal opinion, I think, in retrospect, we didn't stop at the gas station. I did not have the urge to get gas. I had plenty of fuel to get home. It was right. a big tank, 26 gallons. Yeah. You know? And on the highway, I'm getting, you know, close to 20 miles a gallon. We would have made it home. Sure. But the weird sensation, like, hey, I'm going to top my fuel off. It wasn't like fuel was extra cheap or anything. Just something told me, hey, you should get fuel. don't know why. But something tells me that it was showing me you were going to be in a wreck. truck was going to be damaged. And it was going to affect your life. Maybe, it, maybe Damon and I weren't allowed to hang out because not only had I took their underage kid to a bar and they're very Christian family. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, but we were in an accident. Maybe Damon got hurt. Maybe I got hurt. And like th- this was where we were going, and something corrected it. Like, yeah. I have a, like there's another plan here, and I and I don't mean like divine intervention. That was not it. This was like two universes sort of clashing, making combination, hitting, and then it redirecting itself somewhere weird. Yeah. And putting me on the path that I'm on now. Such a bizarre story, man. Yeah. Like, I don't even, you can't even pick like one aspect of it, of the weirdness to single out and be like, this has happened to me before. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. just, it's all like a chain of really uncommon things that yeah. happen yeah. in a short amount of time. Yeah. And, and what's interesting, at least to me, is we don't talk about it much. I, I had you call Damon. I said, Damon, tell Jason about our trip to see the Jackson on the way back. And I had forgot about the computers crashing. And he, he brought the, the computers crashed. I'd forgotten about that part. Yeah. Uh, part that stuck out with me was coming back out the Nitma truck and us, the two hours. Like, how did we do this? Where did we gain an hour? Or, like, what happened? Like, we, we shouldn't even be the plane filled yet. And we're in Effingham. Like, what's happened here? That That's the, the part that, like, clearly doesn't. But we are both individually, without influence from the other, convinced that we were on the path and redirected. Do you have you guys talked about the ride home? Like after all the crazy stuff happens at the gas station and McDonald's, like the conversation that took place in the truck on the way home. Did you it know, feel to be like no? The, the only time, like it was just a normal conversation that we talked about uh, the way there. We listened to the jicks and you know prepping to, to get ready for the show. We had talked about, like, I sort of glossed over this part, but when I called the venue, I'm not, I'm not super familiar with St. Louis, but I called the venue to ask to what hotels are around you, because I knew we were going to stay the night. Uh, it's going to be a late show. I didn't want to have to drive home late because I am cautious. And, <laughs> Again, uh, yeah, cautious. Yeah, 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 totally. 
and uh, called the venue, got like a general manager, and said, hey, we're coming to see the Jicks on February 13th, and uh, what hotels are near you? And she's like, hey, well, actually, we, we work with the Hyatt downtown. Here's a representative that, that we work with. Her direct line, call her. So I called the lady, and I said, hey, my name's Joe Davis. Um, we're going to be at the old rock house on such and such date. This lady gave me your name, and she's like, oh, well, we have a discounted rate work thing. I, I'm not thinking anything of this at the time. She's like, oh, we got a discounted rate. Like, it's normally this, but for the referral thing or whatever, it's like who's maybe, you know, 30% less, you know, than what the normal rate was. Then she starts asking, like, would you have a a van, a big truck, like, stuff. And I'm not putting it all together yet. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a big truck. You know, it's, you know, F-150. You know, it's, it's, it's half ton. You know, it's a pretty good size. We'll valet park it for you. We'll aid the fee. And I don't think much of it. We get to St. Louis, get checked in initially at the hotel, get our stuff upstairs. And Damon's like, hey, why don't we get something to eat? I was like, well, we'll walk around. And we'll find something real quick. And there was a sandwich shop a couple blocks down that we went to. And I kept, ironically, joking with Damon, like, oh, is that Stephen Malcolmus? Oh, is that Stephen Malcolmus? A real funny thing. When we get back into the hotel, and we go to, like, the concierge thing, there's Stephen Malcolmus. <laughs> He's trying to get checked in. He's like, yeah, oh, it's taking forever. And, I mean, for the people that know him, he's really big. I was like, dude, you're Stephen Malcolmus. We're here to see you. He's like, oh, that's cool. And I actually had met him once before because he wouldn't remember me. Sure. I asked for a picture, and that was sort of it. And he took a picture with us, said he was trying to check in. It's like, oh, we already got checked in. Take forever. And so we go to get in the ho- like into our hotel room, and he gets in the elevator with us. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And the look floor, you're on the fourth floor. Oh, that's two. Click it, ride the elevator up. His room was right across the hall. Wow. And it was at that point I realized, like, the lady that booked our hotel room thinks we're being playing there. Yeah. That was the truck questions. That was all of it. Yeah, yeah. And there's actually a funnier story. It's not paranormal, but people may be interested. So we go to the show. We get there a little early. We end up meeting Mike Clark, who's in the band. And we hang out with him before the show. And he's like, when you're done and everybody pills out, you guys stay. We won't visit. Hang out. And I was like, no, wow, that's crazy. Really? And he's like, yeah, 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 absolutely. Don't, don't leave. We'll visit, hang out. You know, they were drinking. I think I'd had a drink because we took a cab there. I, they ballet parked me. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, so we wait around. Everything's go through the set. It was fine. After everyone had left and the bar had emptied, the band came down, and then with one roadie, gathered up all the gear, and now Mike Clark's showing Damon his keyboards and the setup, and then their drummer got to sit behind his kit, and we got to mess with, I didn't get to touch any of it, oh, well, that's not true, he had a Jaguar, I think, guitar, got to hold it, I got to look at his orange, uh, Stephen Optimus was orange head, and he, he I, uh, I, don't, I don't remember now what it says, but he had something on it where it's marked out it had something different. And uh, so we hung out with him and got autographs from them. They still were packing up and we're like, oh, we're going back. We're going to go home. And we were hungry again at that point. We go back and we decide to order Domino's. We decide the 
rather than have them bring it up to the hotel room, we're going to sit in the lobby and wait for them to bring the pizza. So this is the other funny story. So there's a couple and what appears to be like a chef, because he's wearing like the white chef thing. They're holding the book, talking, talking, talking. And she starts like motioning at Damon and I to come over. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. And she's like, hey, would you mind taking a picture? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, not a problem. And so that whoever the chef was had signed the book for him and went to take the picture and with them in it. And when I was done and handing her her phone back, I jokingly said, I thought you were going to ask for a picture with us. And she goes, why? Are you famous? I was like, yeah, we're the band, indie rock band, Jared and the Cat. We were uh, at the Old Rock House watching Stephen Magnus and the Jicks. And she goes, you're famous. If I Google you right now, are you going to pop up? Let me spell it for you. <laughs> and of course, if you do, you Google Jared and the Cat, it blows up. Yeah. Tons of pictures of the two of us. And so now we're signing autographs for her, the husband, the chef, and the chef takes a picture for of us with this couple. What I didn't realize is the chef was Gordon Ramsay. That's insane. <laughs> I have no idea who he was. So we sign autographs for him, take a picture with him. This lady's going to send it to him. She had signed, he'd signed her book. So somewhere, Gordon Ramsay and this other couple has autographs from Jeremy and the Cat. <laughs> and then we go back and sit and wait for a pizza. Not the time the pizza shows up, and walks the jicks walking in and you can tell like Stephen Malcolmus is tired not a bad mood hey dude we ordered pizza are you hungry no no dude I'm going to bed not a problem not, not a big deal but uh, that was the craziness of all of that yeah and then the next morning we tried to wake up at a reasonable time I think it was 10 right around by 11 and we were on the road by noon you know yeah. and uh, we're close to it and two hours later we were home Wow, that's that's insane. Yeah, Gordon Ramsay, at the, I would argue, probably not as well known yeah. as he is now. You know, yeah. ten years ago, he clearly I don't like. So where the lobby set, there was like a hotel restaurant, like like was right there, and they were up like towards what would be considered like the bar, and the place was empty. It was Damon and I in the lobby waiting for a pizza at two a.m. Right, and them and Gordon Ramsay, who I had no idea who it was, <laughs> no idea. Uh, if it hadn't been for later seeing it, both Damon and I, oh, that that was the dude, that was the chef. Like clearly, it was him. You know, uh, and he was super polite, super nice. That's yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I like to think uh, if you go to Gordon's house, there's frame picture of us with him and our autographs. I like to think so too. Uh, <laughs> well, I think Probably there's, not. There's but... two pictures on the mantle. There's the picture of you guys, yeah, and then a smaller picture of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, man, that's wild. Absolutely wild. I don't mean this, to, uh, Gordon. If you listen, in my heart, <laughs> he's a, a big fan of the show. It was it was a, a great experience, but like, what's an eighteen year old and a thirty year old male care about Gordon Ramsay? Like he was just yeah. another dude, but not yeah. Jared and the Cat. They were famous. And they were famous. You Google them; they were there. Yeah, it takes me back to the show that we played with Damon in. Oh gosh, it was north of Effingham somewhere. We stopped in Effingham because somebody forgot the cable. It was in Shelbyville. The show was in Shelbyville. Yeah. We stopped in Effingham. To somebody forgot a cable. Percent. It was Damon. Damon forgot a cable. Yeah, it was the first real show. And Damon likes to tell the story that 
Like, it was the first time he felt like a legit musician. Like, he, his, for people that don't know and probably don't care. No, no one does. His family, the Mitchells, in the Southern Gospel thing, were actually fairly famous. Yeah, like, sure. They, they made a whole living off of releasing albums and touring. They had a tour bus and yep. would do shows and churches and, and do the whole thing. So Damon is very gifted. Plus, he comes from a very musically gifted, his Ironically, his dad is probably one of the best musicians I know. Yeah, he's pretty good. Damon, for him, like, he was in a band with guys and going to a gig, and he was in eighth grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, to him, it was magical. Yeah, yeah. so I stayed out in the van with Dan. With the neon green gas, right? Yeah. Yes. But it ended up being barricades. Yes. That was <laughs> optical illusion at the time in Effingham, Illinois on 33. There, were, there was a school across from this music store. And there is this hyper green painted reflective coating on the sidewalk and a crosswalk. And at first glance. Looking from the inside of the van, which may or may not have had some level of tint to the windshield. I'm pretty sure it did. Yeah. It looked like the grass at the school was super green, yeah. like radioactive. Yeah. And that Dan and I just were captivated by it and talking about it. But inside the music store, <laughs> Joe and Damon go in to get this cable so that Damon can play his bass. So basically all it was is a power cable. Like That's all it was. Three prong. He didn't have it. Yeah. Forgot it. So... You guys are in the store, you grab the cable, you put it on the counter, whatever, and Damon goes, were the Kessel Runners? Like, it was going to make a, yeah. a difference to this yeah. gentleman yeah. at the, yeah. <laughs> the cash register? Yeah. But he felt like he was a yeah. superstar. Yeah, it was real. And, and to be honest, if you follow up, we, it, it was an unusual gig, it was a lock-in oh. at a Lutheran church, and the reason we did it was uh, another <laughs> friend of ours, we did it as like a favor to him, like who drives... I don't remember now what it was. Two hours, two and a half hours to the middle of nowhere to giant dam in a Lutheran church for, you know, sixth graders. B Nation was in the van too. It was. Bart Nation. Yeah, yes. it was. And we played with another band. It was a, a duo. Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. Yeah. Last night until four o'clock in the morning, I stayed up and watched uh, Outer Range on Amazon with starring Josh yeah, Brolin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Totally off topic, but. Do you have any of that Josh Brolin music? I do. Do you? Yeah, it's really good. I know. I'd like to have it because yeah. someone stole my iPod that yeah. I had it all on. Yeah, it's really good. Surprisingly good. No, really, really good. Yeah. I, at the night, they were really loud. They were like what you would consider the headliners. So we had Bart go on. Such an odd mix-up. Oh, really? Of music that night. You had Bart doing his Christian rap. The Kessel Runners, which was, I don't even know how to label it. Of course. <laughs> we don't uh, like sort it. of pop, rocky, like. Indie. Two chord songs. You know? There were three. Yeah, if you can play F and C, you had it. You had it. <laughs> uh, but the, it worked. And, and I mean, we killed it. Yeah, and then they followed it. And, oh, they, and there was the, the chick, too. Oh, yeah, I forgot about her. Because she's in that picture with us. Yeah. yeah Little she, tiny thing. Yeah, I think she, she went on. After Bart or maybe before Bart? Before Bart, yeah. yeah. I don't remember her name for the life of me. I'll figure it out if it's important enough. And one of the dudes from Josh Bowen had another band, too. Yeah. There were five five or six total people playing. I don't remember. No, I don't think it yeah, was. Yeah, because he played like a harmonica on like the neck thing, and he was singing playing acoustic. That was Matt. Matt Coolig. Yes. Yeah. 
the guy from Josh Brolin. So, but his band played that and yeah. Josh Brolin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like two separate acts. Yeah. Because uh, Josh Brolin played in the middle of the floor. Yeah, yeah. And he played up on stage with his other dude. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Memory lane. This has well, nothing to do with paranormal. No, whatsoever. no. And I apologize for no, your listeners. We went off track. Memory here, lane. Yeah. Just reminiscing. What you're learning here is a little bit about your host's <laughs> past. He, there was a line never talked about this. it. No, never talked about haven't. it. Very, very limited conversations about my quote-unquote short-lived musical career. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's it ties in. It's yeah. relevant. Sure. Anyway, so, yeah. what I don't remember when it was. Was it summer? You got a hold of me this past summer. Yeah. And you said, hey, I had this experience at my warehouse. Yeah. And you sent me this video. And I remember it was the day before I was supposed to leave to go down to Kentucky on one of the 90 trips I went to Kentucky yeah. this past year to do some filming for the documentary. And you said, would you be interested in coming and investigating this warehouse space? Because the video scared me. The video was scary. Like, let's be honest. When I called you, I, I own a center block warehouse in the middle of town and there's uh, tons of uh, security cameras uh, that I have and one particular one that sort of faces a derelict type fence and a shrub that was a little overgrown. Yeah. And, uh, and a wood pile, right? Yeah, and a wood pile. Basically, like, I have zones set up that it says, oh, there's motion and not motion and what had sparked the weirdness to begin with was one night I was sitting there, it was dead calm, nothing happening. And usually, for the most part, my sensors are just dead calm. But on the back, I kept having like a flicker of like, it'll show like a little silhouette of a man, like almost like the guy walking across the street. Yeah. And that's saying, hey, there's movement back here, there's someone walking. And I looked and I, I didn't see anything. I kept going. I think at the time I was trying to like update a laptop. And since I was on Wi Fi, I didn't want to leave. Every now and then, out of the corner of my eye, I'd see that pop up again. I'd look and didn't really see anything. Like it was stuck at a certain thing. Like it, it took forever. And I was like, it's never going to load. And I was about to like just shut it all down. And I look at it again and the motion's on there. But I also see something else moving. And the footage. And, like, I'm like, oh, that's weird. So I pull up that individual camera, play back from when I'm sitting there, and I start looking at it. Immediately I go to the point where I thought I'd seen something moving. I don't see nothing. I go back about five minutes and look at it from the point of view where it first started showing it. And now there seems to be something in the bush that at the time like sort of looked it's vague and Jason I'm, we may still have the clip um, you want to watch the video clip join Patreon patreon.com slash beyond the patio and there's a link to the video I have no better way to explain it as a naked individual with non-discreet facial features that actually appeared to be like black silhouette black silhouette yeah. black silhouette yeah and it's sort of moving around this bush that's back there. When I showed it to my friend Keith that next yeah. morning, yeah, because uh, he was going to Kentucky with me, we stopped to get drinks and gas. Yeah, and I was like, "Hey, while I'm pumping gas, watch this video that my friend Joe Davis." Had. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Oh, okay." So he's looking at me. He comes out of the car, and his eyes are like saucers. He's like, "That's a freaking alien, man! Yeah. Like that is an alien right there, right yeah. there. That's an alien." Yeah. Unfortunately, it it was maybe another month or so after that. 
that I finally got you to the warehouse yeah. and like, hey, let's like let's look into this because that creeped me out. But then we have a little more overgrowth on on the bush. I've adjusted the camera a yeah, little totally, bit. Yeah, you moved the camera, which I should not have done. That's fine. But it, it, it like I, I kid you not, something like this. But like unlike like the lens on on your the eyelids on this, like where you have reflections and the surface like 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 that paint that that doesn't absorb any light. Yeah, like that's of what it was. Yeah, but, and, and of course. Like, so when my cameras go, they go, like, at nighttime, they go to, like, a black-and-white image that shows more. So it could have obviously creeped up the image just a little bit. Sure. But there was clearly movement. There was clearly something there. Yeah. And I was like, this building's, you know, at this point almost 60 years old. There's a man that used to live in the house here that ended up growing out of out of this building into a very large business that he eventually sold. But the man's dead. I have none of the history for this building. That creeped me out. Jason, come over. Yeah. Uh, there's been some weird stuff that happens. The fan, I got this huge exhaust fan that every now and then would just kick off or yeah. make noises. And it did it whenever I came. Yeah. Ginormous industrial size fan. Like it's running the whole night and then it just stops. Yeah. I'm like, dude, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I've been there with my dad. He's like, oh, maybe it's overheating and stuff. Touch it and like look at it. Like, can't figure out what it is. Yeah. Or the flaps. Will move. The fan's the not levers. even plugged in. You would assume like you'd have to have airflow. Yeah. I'm in there. The garage sure. door shut. This door shut. There's no airflow, and you'll hear just one side. So I'm like, dude, this is what I have. I got this. You also had the night with the door closing and the cup. Yes. Yeah. Tell this story. So that one's a little more vague. So there's a back door, no airflow. And I, it wasn't a cup. It was a bucket. Five-gallon bucket. That, uh, you had the cup on your desk. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Because it's so, all at the same time. Yes, both of them. I forget. Yes, you're 100% correct. Um, but there's a five-gallon bucket that holds my back door open on the off chance that I'm, I'm like, it's it's super hot in there during the summer. Mm-hmm. That would maybe open it. At this time, I was doing something different, but had the back door open with the bucket in front of it. And I hear it slam. Wham! I go out there and look. The bucket's sitting there on this side of the door, and the door shut. Go out there and look. Nothing on the camera. Nothing inside. You can see the door shut, but like the in the bucket sort of slide out of the way, but no hand, no movement. I'm like, man, that's that's sort of weird. But airflow had to be airflow. Sure. Like coming in through the exhaust fan, circling it back through. Where it got weird, and I literally got up and left. The second it happened, I don't want to put you down in your paranormal thing, but let's be honest. I I think I told you this when it happened. I don't really have a belief in like, like, like the weird oddity things with the exception of this, (laughs) because it's something that has happened to me personally that I cannot explain. Yeah. I mean, other than the weird path thing. Yeah. This is like weird physical thing. I had, I've got one of those old, still like 1950s detective style you know private eye desks probably weighs 80 pounds uh, dude that thing is 400 pounds if it's anything it's huge <laughs> uh, but I had a Cubs cup sitting there and I was playing around with my laptop probably watching YouTube or something and out of the corner of my eye I could have swore I seen the cup slide just a little bit millimeters just a smidge Enough that it startled me. Now, your first instinct is, is oh, like there's condensation on it. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I had the AC running at 68 degrees in my office. 
Like there's no condensation, the desk isn't wet, and it's perfectly flat. So the, the motion initially of it slightly moving catches my attention. I'm like, oh, that was weird. And as I'm about to look away, it slides a full, like, 8 to 10 inches in front of me. Quickly. Quickly. Shut the laptop down. Shut the lights. <laughs> I'm out. And I think, did I call you that You did. Night? You yeah. called me. And I was like, dude, I, I know I'll, like, I'll give you a hard time. I'm like, this scared me. Yeah. So much so, like, I shut it down. And I said, are you crazy? Why did you leave? Yeah, yeah. I was like, because there was no way I'm staying here. Yeah. Even when you came, and, and as a favor to me, you brought some of your, your tech that you have. And, and we perform some of the, the experiments that you can try to pick up stuff mm. as like a sort of relief for me that like there's not weird stuff going on that <laughs> I don't know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's legitimately how scared I was. Yeah. Because there's no explanation for it. The cup wasn't wet. There wasn't condensation. It's perfectly flat. It has never happened again. Yeah. But I I'm like, you... I need you to come and reassure me that this thing is safe. And I, I told him that night, like if something happens while you hear. Not only am I leaving, I am burning the place down. <laughs> you did. You <laughs> called me. I have known you for a long time. Yeah. We, we've known each other a long time. We spent a lot of time around each other. Yeah. When you called me that night, I've never heard your voice sound the way it sounded. Yeah. Well, you know it's terrifying. I mean? Like, I, I believed something happened. Yeah. Did I know what it was going to be for sure? No. Like, yeah. there's there's logical explanations. Yeah. And I... I am a skeptic. I, yeah. I don't just, just because I believe in all this stuff. And, and let's clarify real quick. That happened before the weird stuff outside. Yeah. Like that was the first call. Second call, like the motion sitting in my office. Yeah. And you sent me the, no, you just sent me the video of that thing. Yeah. You gave me yeah. no context whatsoever. Yeah. Because yeah. I was packing stuff up. I was getting ready to leave yeah. the next morning. Yeah. And you send me this video. It's, it was later at night, like 9.30, 10 o'clock or yeah. something like that. I just recorded it. Literally yeah. off my TV. Because at that point, I'm like, um, Wi-Fi is not strong enough. It, it doesn't want to, like, send it to my phone. Like, I, 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 who do I know that can address this? <laughs> Instantly, Jason. Yeah. Yeah, Jason will have an answer. Yeah, like, you sent me no context. Yeah. You send me this video. I'm looking. I'm like, what is this from? Where is this at? Yeah. And, like, ten minutes later, you reply, this is at my warehouse, man. And yeah. I'm like, oh, no, what is that? That yeah. is something. Yeah. And I immediately, I was like, I need a bigger version. And you couldn't find it. You couldn't pull it back up or something yeah. later. But I blew it up. And made a video out of it so I could see well, so the, the, down, so the problem is is even though like it has motion zones in the back I have neighbors sure like and realistically there's an alley that runs next to it there's people that walk so even though there's zones set up in the warehouse if you come in the door it's going to trigger it and say at this time red lot or it'll give you a red spec here of what it is. Mm -hmm. But on the back door, I don't want a thousand of those. Sure. Because a bird flew by, because the next door neighbor walked out to get in his car, stuff like that. But it still gives me the random little dude. So the problem was, I was freaked out by it, <laughs> recorded it, sent it to you. But going back and trying to figure out what time was I there? Where was the incident? Because it's a short clip. Like, yeah, it's, it's really it, short. It does, like there's, there's a point where you see it, and then it's sort of like moves deeper into whatever was there. Then it comes back. Yeah. And then leaves again. Yeah. 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 And trying to find, like, you can watch it, like, in slow-mo. Mm -hmm. And my patient sort of ran through. And so then I was like, well, I'll speed it up, and I'll just try to watch for anything 
like white or a distinct thing, and I just could not find it. Yeah, could not find it. Yeah, yeah. it's it's pretty wild. And but but you but we were you could repoint the camera. Of course, by the time you'd come, leaves at that point had blossomed on this big bush back mm-hmm. here, and I walked you around and we talked to the neighbor about yeah, it. Yeah, we even talked but, to the neighbor. Yeah, he he talked about some unusual stuff that he had seen. But nothing in regards to Skinwalker or anything. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, Not at all. I, and again, you can join the Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash beyond the patio. And yeah. you can watch the video. And yeah. it's it's exclusive. So I'm telling you, it. It, it, if you're into the stuff, it'll interest you. It's wild. I didn't share it to any if other you spook easy, either. you're going to be scared. Like yeah. I didn't I didn't send it to anyone for any further analysis. Like I kept it like really tight. Yeah. You know, because I was hoping there would be more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. here I am. Now I've got an exclusive story to follow. Yeah. You know? And unfortunately, well, fortunately for you, I guess, unfortunately for me, yeah. it hasn't came back. No. And I don't think it will. I think it was just a one-off thing, man. You know, you talk a lot about parallel dimensions butting up against each other. Yeah. And that's a pretty big theory where monsters are encountered, hmm. you know, in the physical world. That yeah. Bigfoot shows up, is physical. And then disappears, leaving no trace behind. And what if it's just as confused and scared as we are when we encounter things like that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's a lot of stories of Bigfoot shows up, throws a rock at you, and then you never find the Bigfoot again. What would you do, Joe? You're walking in the woods. All of a sudden, you're in an unfamiliar woods, and there's these creatures around you that are being loud. They don't look like anything you've ever seen before. Yeah. And you look down and there's a bunch of rocks laying on the ground. Would yeah. you pick one up and throw it? Sure. And then you disappear. Yeah. And you're back with your other Bigfoot people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Absolutely a plausible theory. Yeah. Maybe this thing was some interdimensional traveler that just popped into existence. It's like, yeah, look at this stuff. And then popped right back out. Yeah. And it was gone. Yeah. You know, I was there for several hours. Can I transition into something? Let's transition into something. I had to get permission and some clarification on it, but I had brought up to you that there's a story that I know about, about a local theater that we have. For yeah. context, this is a it's a small six-screen, five-screen, five, five independently owned and operated movie theater, not part of a major chain. The building that it's in has been several things, Yes, including a grocery, two different grocery stores, yeah. actually, I think. Yeah. And uh, Moose Lodge, yeah, and probably something else too. Yeah, yeah, plenty of things. It's just one of those. It was a city evolves, proprietors change, and different buildings, things that happen. Not just as a running joke, but some of the the, the young workers there are actually sort of experience things that they can't explain: noises, shadows. Faces, things moving in a particular area. You have to tell me what the area is when we're done. Okay. Uh, well, I can tell you. No one has access oh, to it. Sure. Okay. So they, they have fountain drinks. There's uh-huh. a special room where all the fountain stuff is. Sure. It's in that room. Okay. Uh, and and ironically, every now and then, because when you're friends with the theater owner, after everything shuts down, and this is the only time it happens, not when regular guests are there, midnight and after. Weird evenings. There, there's been times when we've came out there on the big screen and played Switch. That'd be cool. <laughs> uh, we've watched own movies, you know, that or watched. There was something we wanted to watch, but uh, you know, like the whole crew wants to watch it, so they do it. And like, there's certain things change out stuff in this one particular area that they've had weird things happen. 
that no one else has access to. Access to guests don't go in there; nothing happens. Sure, but there's insight that I have that they these young seventeen, eighteen, nineteen year old, and even the owner themselves, who's younger than I am, doesn't know is before it was the business that it is now. It was a very fancy moose lodge. Yeah, the the local lodge in town had the regular brick and mortar style. Like looks like every other elks and moose and whatever mm-hmm. fraternal order you can think of, big brick building. It was, became derelict, and they decided that they had the money. They were going to open this huge facility with a reception hall, fine dining, and gambling. Like the, so, poker machines in the back room, and a, there were some in the back room, and there was some like along a wall. This and, was back in the nineties, right? Yeah. So when I was in high school. As a sophomore, I, I was a dishwasher for the restaurant there. Okay. So on one side was a very, like, huge dining hall with a very fine restaurant. And then on the other side was the longest, biggest bar that you'd ever seen. Like, <laughs> and with tons of poker machines. And I can remember the gentleman that I'm talking about that passed away playing video slots while he was there. I remember the day it happened. I was not there, but I did work there that night. I'm not going to say his name. If you're interested, I, I, I think I can come up with it. But I remember it was sort of a big deal. Not, not everybody in town knew what he was doing, but just that he was there. But as workers, we had a stroke passed away. Sure. What's ironic about it, because I know the layout of the building, the slot machine he was at is right next to the back door to the soda machine. Mm. Same room. Same door. Yeah. yeah Which, I, not the actual same room, because this yeah. has been redone yeah, several yeah. times. This room didn't but exist then. Geographically. It was a, geographically, because it, there's side access for the pop people to bring in. You know, when you have pop machines, it's these big, like, milk crates, and they're... Mm-hmm. There are like uh, giant bags inside there, and then your syrups all run, and then they go to the big fountain machine, and you yeah. got to swap them out, and it's just storage for them. No one else goes back there, just employees. Yeah. But that same door was right next to the slot machines that were in a row. Technically, it butts up to a restaurant now, so there's a wall there that sort of joins it, but the restaurant is not part of where, where this is. Yeah. That door set right next, because you'd walk in, it was like a... People would walk out there to smoke or whatever. At the time, it wasn't even a parking lot back there. Right, it was, it was just a step because they would step out there to smoke or, yeah. or you know whatever it was. They weren't taking phone calls, but but there was an emergency exit right there. The doors sure. always existed. When I was initially told the story, like, hey, this has been weird stuff that's happened here. And and for clarification, I have not experienced it, but I've got individual stories from three different employees plus the owner of, hey, these are weird things that happen. And they never brought up where it was happening. And I said, I gotta know. Like, this is gonna sound crazy, I'll tell you why. But first, is it in the soda bowl? Big eyes. Yeah, why? Are you sure? Anywhere else? No, the soda bowl. We're on the storage soda. Why? And I put it together. And I was like, well, you don't know this because you probably weren't even born yet. <laughs> but, uh, like, when I worked there, where that door is, used to be like a back entrance to the bar, the big bar. And along that wall was a bunch of, you know, video poker machines. And there was a guy there that had passed away right next to that door. Uh, it had a aneurysm or whatever, stroke. It wasn't like gambling killed him, but he was gambling and happened to die. Um, Let that be a lesson to all of you sinners out there. Yeah, but I like to think he got wild cherries and he's just I like to think staying that after too. it. You know, I don't know 
the circumstances. I wasn't there. There was the talk of the restaurant. Uh, at least, like, you know, there was, back then, it was, I, I could, can't get over, like, the bar was probably 15 yards long. Wow. It was huge. Like, the whole length of a, that restaurant, like, the whole length of that side wall, the bar was every bit that long. And there were a few tables in there, a couple poker tables. That back room that I was thinking of that was part of the bar, they had poker tables in there. And there was a bunch of pool tables and stuff like that. Yeah. But I remember getting to work, and they are like, oh, some night to take. What? Yeah, no. I had to call the ambulance and everything. I had to pronounce him dead at the hospital, but that's what happened. And, like, he had a, uh, they think he had, like, a like a stroke, like an aneurysm or something that popped in. And I was like, oh, what? Like, we weren't open. And no, the bar was open. Like, he was playing video slots. Oh, really? Yeah, that one there. Oh, okay. Well, oh, shame for his family. Man, hey, did he have kids? Uh, well, whatever, you know. And it just, just sort of sits there, but it's like a weird circumstance. Yeah. You know, I don't really put a whole lot into it, but it was interesting. How much longer did you work there after that? Well, it wasn't open a whole lot longer. Shortly after that, I got the job at the radio station. Okay. So... I worked there two years. I'm guessing it would probably have been 97, 96, 97, somewhere there. I was a freshman, sophomore in high school at the time. Yeah. So you didn't experience anything in that area after? So realistically, me personally, I, I know my, I have an aunt that worked the bar and uh, was working the day it happened. That's She was the one that told me. Uh, she was a bartender at the time. But I worked on the restaurant side. So realistically, the, the whole kitchen was sort of like a middle section in between like the bar and the restaurant. And then there was a reception hall that was also, if you had rented out the reception hall, the kitchen could provide food for it, as well as their own dining room. And if you were in the bar, you could order food. So it was like sort of centrally located. But I never worked in the bar. I wasn't didn't 21. Go in there often. Yeah, there was no reason. Like, yeah. I, I was 16, 17. They're not going to serve me. Like, I may have played pool, but me personally, no. But these theater kids, yes. I mean, we're talking over a decade of time in between. Yeah. From the time the theater took it yeah. over and opened it up. Yeah. It'd be interesting to find if, if we know anyone who worked there in that in-between period when the grocery store moved in. I don't know if I ever knew there, anybody that worked there. Was there a grocery store in between? Save a lot. Came back in. Shortly and then moved over to no, the IGA. No. Well, wait a minute. No. Yeah, they were in the IGA. Save a lot came in and then went away and then went to yeah. the other building. Yeah. But it was after the moose lunch. Okay. I didn't realize that. Didn't yeah. shop at Save a lot, but yeah. Oh, I did, man. Those magic stars. That's the way to go. The generic Lucky Charms are the best. Really? Best cereal ever. <laughs> we haven't touched on you being a Freemason. Okay. But I just wanted to just touch on it briefly. Sure. There's a long story history with Freemasonry and the occult and all this stuff. And I know today it's different. It's not the same organization that once was. I think you're wrong there. Do you? Um, I don't want you to say anything that's going to put you in, in hot water. Because I won't. I didn't figure you would. <laughs> I know I, better. I can't. I won't. I know better. Yeah. I'm familiar. Yeah. But not known as well for their charitable contributions in the past as they are now. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if it's as recognized. Um, I, I don't know it on like a national level. Uh, I can only speak for the lodge that I belong to. But it's one of those things, like there's tons of civic 
I no one more than me. I'm like 14 different civic groups. I know. Executive vice president of the chamber, been president of Qantas three times, academic foundation. I've done police commission board, done it all. Yeah. My insight and to joining, and this I can get into, the Masonic Lodge. I, I didn't know much about Freemasonry. Uh, at the time, it was a building behind me that every now and then on Saturday would have a free breakfast. To me, it was another, another civic group. Then I was brought into the light. <laughs> the look on your face when you said that. <laughs> this isn't going to translate well. but So I am friends with several Freemasons. Yeah. Locally and across. talk to you about to different degrees. So the the one thing that I would say, I didn't know necessarily what it was that I was partaking in. It's a fraternity, like anything sure. else, with certain rituals that realistically, if anyone wants to know, you can go to YouTube and oh, sure. not only that, Freemasonry themselves have videos that talk about the things that we do and how we do it, and Absolutely. handshakes and all kinds of stuff. Uh, funerals, if you go to a funeral of someone who's a mason that passed away, it's not uncommon to see Masonic uh, Rites. Masonic Rites. I've, no. I've performed a few of them. So, yeah. without saying anything that you're not going to say. I, uh, so let's do this. I don't want you to feel comfortable about this. I'm totally comfortable. You ask anything you want. If I'm willing to answer, I will. But this is your opportunity. If, if I think I can talk about it, I will. I, I'm giving you an open table. Okay. You ask me what you want. If I can address it, I will. If right. I can't, I won't. And and as a listener, I, I won't do this. I'm not going to say anything. Like, I don't want you to take anything I've said tonight as, like, trying to inflate something that happened. I didn't come out here on a Saturday night at this time to, to like, obviously, I'd spend time with Jason any time he would ask. When he sent a message, hey, I have an opening, haven't had you on, we absolutely. Right. Hey, you can do it at home. No, I'm coming to you because I want to spend time with you. But I have no reason, like, when I'm talking about this stuff, I'm, I'm sincere about it. I have no reason to lie. You're probably um, one of the most honest people I think I've ever met. Yeah. Like, so. if, if I if I tell you what happened in St. Louis, like, yeah, it scares me. But when we talk about at the warehouse, it does scare me. Yeah. Because those type of things don't typically happen to me. You ask me now, if I can give you an answer, All I right. will. But I'm giving you an open forum. Has it ever been addressed in your Masonic circles the controversial things from the past that have been attributed to Freemasonry? I can't answer that. Okay. Has it ever been addressed the situation with the Morgan affair in the 1800s? I can't answer that. Were you familiar with that as a person before I brought it up when you were on the live stream last year? Yes. Okay. If it is something that is talked about is it talked about very would you assume it would be talked about across multiple lodges if it were something that were ever discussed not saying that you have personally heard the discussion if it is something that is discussed do you think multiple lodges across the country would talk about it no okay not at the level you think sure and and I, I'm, I'm no, 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 you're, you're right. So most of this is open knowledge. Like when, when, when you have an open lodge meeting, you know, Thursday at 7 is ours twice a month. Depending on who's in attendance, certain things are allowed to happen or not to happen. We call those degrees. First degree, second degree, third degree. Or fellowship, you know, master mason, those type of things. Yep. Um, and you sort of go through the latter things. If you're not at a certain tier, you're not privy to certain stuff. You're identified. So let's say you as a guest are not getting in. Oh, absolutely not. Not happening. There's a guy at the door with a sword. You're not getting in. If someone is a first degree, 
which is the beginning level. You're starting to understand what, what, what you're getting into. There's things that aren't known. There's things that aren't said. Second level, you get a little more. Third level, you're brought to the light. What level? Are you are you able to say what level that you're recognized at? I'm a Master Mason. You may be led to believe, and this is where I can sort of clarify things. There's certain things that are brought to your attention later on or at the 33rd degree or whatever. Third, I'm a third degree Master Mason. So the dude that says he's a 33rd degree doesn't make him more enlightened than I am. It's just different. Like he's went on a different path. It's not my path. I speak regularly to a lot of people. Yeah. You know, across many different walks of life. Sure. And several have been or presently are in, in Freemasonry. I have known several people who I would be willing to bet my entire life savings on. Farmers, construction workers. Laborers. Laborers. That I would not in one million years ever, ever believe are doing occult rituals because they think they're occult rituals. Just that it's something that they have to do at the movements. I would liken it to uh, when you're a Boy Scout and you have to do the special handshake, things like that. It doesn't seem, when you go to Catholic Mass, that's a ritual. Yeah. You know, there are things that you do. I, so I would actually clarify what you think occult. Uh, I will I will say there are rituals. Sure. They are not occult. And I've been through them all. And I'm telling you, they're odd. And you only know it once you've been through it. I can't tell you what it is. Sure. And it, it's even what you think you know, you don't know all of it. I'm sure. Uh, when I, I say occult, you, I mean secret is what I mean. Okay. Yeah. That's well, well, textbook definition yeah. of occult. Well, and realistically, if... One of your listeners right now, and we talked about this, I, I, you can literally go on and watch an entire video of everything that happens sure. in a lodge. They're more open about, like, this is, if you want to become a Freemason. Before, you couldn't ask to be a Freemason. You had to be invited in. You had to be invited in. No. That's not the case. Yeah. I can, the, the, we want you to feel like you can ask me. Yeah. Can I be a Freemason? Right. And there's only a few caveats to get you in. Mm-hmm. You have to be a good person and there's a committee that looks into you, investigates you. You have to believe in some form of a higher being. Gaia, the planet Earth, it doesn't matter. You have to believe in something higher than above yourself. Sure. Satan, doesn't matter. <laughs> Do you know very many satanic Freemasons? I can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, alright. Uh, but beyond that... There are rituals that are weird. Oh, yeah. There's weird things that you do. Sure. And it's all a part of, when I say, like, brought to the light. All of our archived episodes are available for free right now at patreon.com slash beyondthepatio or on our YouTube channel. Follow us on social media. Give us a like if you don't mind. And if you have anything weird happen to you and you want to share the tale... Hit me up at paranormalpatio at gmail.com. It's time that someone knows the truth. I'm going to tell you everything I know about masonry. We are absolutely the cult that you think we are. We have had a hand in every elected official that has ever been elected, whether it be city government, state government, federal government, everyone from the street sweeper to the president of the United States. We've taken down dictators, regimes, installed new regimes. I'm tired of living the lie. This isn't easy for me to tell you. And the hardest part is knowing that once you hear all this, you're going to hear a knock on the door. I wish the best to you and your family.